Direct from Okayama City in the heartland of Japan, it's yet another episode of Planet Japan with Amy and Doug. Join them as they guide you through the wacky and the whimsical, the weird and the wonderful, from everyone's favorite planet, from sea to shining sea. It's time for another exciting adventure. And now, here's Amy and Doug. Hello and welcome to Planet Japan, episode 94. I'm Amy Chavez. I'm Paul Hoogman. And we're back for another episode. They've let me back for another week. <laughs> They have.、Uh, Paul is standing in for Doug while he's on vacation in the States. Last episode, listener Jay had recommended that we put a call out for people to send in the moose from their local cows. And. It's been a week, and I hate to admit this, but we have not received any recordings of moos from any of our listeners. So it doesn't look like the moo cast will be possible. However, Jay had also mentioned my automatic mooer. And this is a device I introduced on one of our earlier shows of Planet Japan. And I thought that in honor of Jay, we would bring back the automatic mooer for this show. Now, that doesn't mean we won't be sticking in a live moo here and there. But for those of you who missed it before, you will get the chance to hear the automatic mooer. It's cherry blossom season in Japan. Oh, Hanami. Honey. Oh, Hanami.、Yeah. Oh, Hanami. A great time of the year, though, isn't it? It's really great. Paul and I, we've been out to some cherry blossom viewing parties ourselves. As a matter of fact, when we first got back from Hokkaido, we actually did it at night. Cherry blossom viewing at night time under the lights? Tremendous. Yeah, it's very popular these days to、uh, go out at night. And I wonder if that's because the cherry blossom spots are always so crowded during the day. Places like Tokyo's Ueno Park and such, they're、oh, just、okay. packed with people. There's so many people who go to see the cherry blossoms that they're actually killing the trees. Them. Yeah, it's a big problem. They're murdering trees. How? Well, just by, like, sitting on the roots and such. And spilling all that beer? You'd think that they would grow even better. You would think so. Maybe they become alcoholic. And maybe that's why they're coming out earlier and earlier all the time. Yeah. They're looking for a drink. A fix? Yeah, looking for a fix. Can't wait that extra week. Yeah. Yeah.、Uh, it is a great time in Japan, and everyone has to go out and experience drinking. Underneath the cherry trees, I think. Well, that really is what the、uh, Cherry Blossom Festival is all about. It's a time for Japan to let loose.、Uh, it's after the school year, it's at the end of the tax year. Quite true. People have been、mm-hmm. uptight for months, children doing final exams, business people working towards the end of the financial year, hoping they're making a profit, and all of a sudden, Cherry Blossom time. Time to relax. Loosen the tie. Whole families go out, grandmothers dance under the trees.、Um, everyone's just out、uh, being a little bit more festive than usual. With few inhibitions. Of course, the Japanese have been partying under the cherry blossoms for a long time. And there are many popular songs about the cherry blossoms. And so when the season comes, someone will no doubt come out with the cherry blossom song, and that will be the hit for the season. So every year they would write a different song? No, no, it's a different group each time. In 2002, Hikaru Utada had a hit song 
called sakura drops, like rain. Well, they drops. only have a short rain drops, yeah. petal, petal drops. Petal drops. Right. I mean, they only have, what, a 10-day life cycle from birth to death and... That's right, and that's why uh, the, pe the Japanese people love the cherry blossoms, because they signify the fleeting beauty of life. Another famous song is Sakura Iro by Aki. Rhythm has a new single, which is Sakura Uta, just the Sakura song. And last year's Sakura song was by Ketsumeishi. And this year's song is, do you know what this year's song is? No idea whatsoever. Aha. It's by the Funky Monkey Babies, which is called Love and Life. And because the cherry blossom is such a festive time in Japan, it is highly anticipated as to when it's going to start. And this, of course, has become a very exact science that is looked at by the Japanese Department of Meteorology. The Sakura Report. The Sakura Report. It's like a weather report. It's a daily report on the Sakura and how they're blooming and where. It's even more important than the weather report. You get the um, weather experts, so to speak. They go to a um, group of cherry trees in Tokyo and they look at the buds. Uh huh. For days on end, they just look at the buds. TV cameras there, so they look at the cherry trees. These are actually cherry blossom inspectors, right? Cherry, that's all they do, cherry mm -hmm. blossom inspectors. They're employed for two weeks of the year. <laughs> they look at a tree... And as soon as they find a tree in a specific group that has six cherry blossoms on the tree, that then signifies that it's the start of the cherry blossom season. Unfortunately, this has been coming earlier and earlier in recent years. So over the last 50 years that they've been monitoring this, 50, 60 years, it's coming on average one week earlier now. And this has Japan in a funk, because now it's actually starting too early, isn't it? Sometimes it's even starting before the school children have finished a year. Exactly, so people aren't really ready for the cherry blossoms yet. And before the end of the tax year, so they're not ready to party yet. Right, definitely not. So either the trees are going to have to hold back. They should. Or we're going to have to change the financial year in Japan. <laughs> you have to change the school year. There's a good idea. This is truly living in harmony with nature. Well, another thing I heard is that some, like usually the blossoms start in Okinawa, blooming first, and they slowly move up the country to the north mm -hmm. over a two-month period. This year, some cherry blossoms in Tokyo were blooming before ones in Kyushu. And that was because they said that it was in the city and it was so warm, you know, from all the, the pollution and effect of carbon dioxide. And so that's another thing. We could all just stop driving. Well, that would help. And that would put off the cherry blossoms for a week, maybe. The trees in Tokyo are confused. Yeah, I'm surprised that they bloom at all in Tokyo. That pollution in there, who would want to come out and flower? Exactly. But there's a new twist on cherry blossom viewing this year, isn't there? You can now take nude people. Nude people. But you can take a nude hostess to liven up the party even more. There uh, is this agency that, that that rents out nude hostesses. Are they really nude? They look nude from afar. Okay, they've got these nude suits. Nude suits. So when people look at the person from afar, the person looks completely nude. But when you're up close? They look like they're wearing a nude suit. Well, it makes you wonder if people from afar think that the woman is nude, 
then why don't they just let her go nude? What's the point of having a nude suit if you've got your birthday suit? Maybe some people look so bad nude that they need a nude suit to look good. Have you seen me, have you? (laughs) (laughs) If you really want a completely nude person, woman, I hear that they do hire nude women out to go to onsens with. Well, that would make more sense, wouldn't it? Since everyone's nude anyway. <laughs> Everybody's already nude there. So what's the what's use the of wearing... <laughs> yeah, and why would you wear clothes into an onsen anyway? Exactly. So that would make much more sense. And you would get value for money. Right. So never pay to get a nude woman to go to the hot springs with you. Never. A complete waste of money. Yeah, you definitely know you're being taken if someone offers you this. Especially if you went to one that wasn't mixed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you never get to see her anyway. You, like you sort of part at the door and you say, you go in there, I go. And if you go to a mixed one, you already get all those benefits without paying yeah. anything. That's where you could use nude suits. For the people who are too shy to go to the mixed onsen, they could wear a nude suit that would make them look nude even when they weren't. That would make sense, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. But if you were, But if you were shy about your nudity... Why would you go to an onsen at all? Well, that's what I'm saying. They don't. But if they had a nude suit, they could still go. Because probably the nude suit has, is a, quite an impressive body. Here's something that you may be shocked to find out. And what would that be? Well, as you know, the cherry blossom is the national flower of Japan. And as a result, it makes people very patriotic during the cherry blossom season. However, rumor has it, some people don't like cherry blossoms. What do they have against cherry blossoms? Good question. They're beautiful little flowers. Well, apparently some of these people are even famous people who don't like them. And uh, one of them is a woman named Mari Mori. And she was a novelist in the 1900s through 1987, I guess she died. She actually wrote that sakura, which is cherry blossoms, have an unbearable tackiness about them stirring up too much sentiment and adding unnecessary clamor and chaos to an already busy season. I mean, she sounds like she wants to arrest them. She sounds like she just wants to sit in a corner and do nothing. She says the only correct way to view Sakura is to stay at home and cook something nice and think fondly but disdainfully (laughs) of all the mess people are making under the trees. There's really no need to go out and actually look at these cheap blossoms. You could stay at home and watch them on TV. <laughs> you definitely could. These are party poopers, aren't they, these yeah, people? real party poopers. Yeah, I'm the cheap blossoms. That's just a really a scathing thing to say about cherry well, flowers. Well, cheap. And how they're not prostituting themselves. No, well, how do, you, how do you put a price on a tree flowering? Exactly. It's priceless. I've been to a few cherry blossom viewing parties already. The last one I went with, Planet Japan listener. Who was at the island here? Yeah, Sander and his uh, friend, Martina. And they just left this morning, didn't they? They did. They came from Holland. They came out to the island, and we did some cherry blossom viewing. Yesterday? Yeah. It was very nice. So now we're going to add a new segment to the show, which we had last episode. It's called Animal Tales. Any animal from anywhere. Yeah, that has a good story to tell. a good story. And our champion this week, our champion animal, is a mouse. Mighty mouse. Yeah, (laughs) a white mouse. Can you imagine what this mouse did? No idea at all. (laughs) 
He grounded a Vietnam Airlines flight to Japan for more than three hours. Must have been a big white mouse. No, a little white mouse. A little one. Yeah. They said that they delayed the flight for more than three hours and mobilized dozens of staff to find the mouse, which they suspect came on board in the pocket of a Vietnamese passenger. So someone was taking their pet mouse for a ride on the plane without buying a ticket. I think that the mouse was just wanting to, you know, take a vacation. And so he hopped into someone's pocket. On the cheap. Yeah. Stowaway. Yeah. A stowaway mouse. Well, what's a mouse to do if they want to go travel somewhere? If he had gone up to the ticket counter and said, I would like, you know, a one mouse pass, they wouldn't have sold him it. They would have sold him a mouse ticket. Well, is that like a child's ticket? Is it cheaper or free? Depends on the size of the mouse. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Big seat, little seat. The question is here, really, why did they deny this mouse entry? No ticket. Well, okay, it could have been that. Or maybe they thought he was a terrorist mouse. Maybe they found out that he was a Muslim. Or maybe he didn't have a passport. That could be it. Maybe it was Stuart Little. Oh. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Stuart Little. He was a little white mouse. Yeah. Yeah. Probably coming to do a Tokyo Confidential. There you go. Maybe he was traveling on business. Yeah. You know? So what was the excuse that they gave for looking for the mouse so intently? Okay. Well, they did eventually find him. And guess where they found him? I mean, a plane isn't that big. It took him three hours to find him. Probably with the cheese and crackers. <laughs> Pretty much. He was in the food compartment. Wouldn't you know? Surprise, surprise, surprise you know? Surprise. It's you'd like think you'd go there straight away. Exactly. No, they said that they were afraid that he was going to chew through the wires. Likely story. See, well, maybe he was a terrorist mouse. Well, you would think they would have had enough cheese and crackers on board for the flight time. The mouse wouldn't have gone anywhere near the cables. Oh, he could have been a programmed mouse. Like, terrorists are now programming mice to go in and do the dirty work. Sort of like trained dolphins, but just on a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Anyway, more power to the mouse. I mean, if they can ground a plane for three hours, I think they could probably even run the country. We also have a cowtail. This is about Normandy cows. French cows. Are they the ones that are used to make camembert cheese? <laughs> yes! How did you know that? Camembert cheese is supposed to be made only from Normandy cows. Why? Because that's the pure form of camembert cheese. Okay. So? And now there's this uh, big question about whether they should be using unpasteurized milk to make the cheese, which is the way they've always made it. The reason why they're thinking they should start using pasteurized milk is that it's pure and uh, is make sure that there's there are no like E. coli or anything in it that could poison people. And apparently, um, a lot of children have been getting sick after eating camembert cheese. I know why the children are getting sick. Why? Because they're not drinking red wine with the cheese, which is the way it's supposed to be. That keeps the body in. Harmony. Every, ah, every, everything's in balance. Right. Okay, so, so this really is not the cow's fault, is it? Not the cow's fault at all. Okay, well, that's good, and I'll let them know that. Because the thing that the cows are worried about, they're actually worried about becoming jobless. Because they're afraid that if people start using pasteurized milk, 
Then they're going to start bending the other rules for camembert cheese. And then they're going to start making it out of any old cow milk, not just Normandy cows. And so that entire region, the unemployment of cows, is going to soar. Cows need job security as well. I would think so. They've been doing this for hundreds and hundreds of years. That's right. With no complaints whatsoever, surely. They never complain. Like when you're on a good thing, why change it? Exactly. I'm really opposed to this. Let's send out a big moo for the Normandy cows. Ready? Moo! Japanese people are some of the healthiest people in the world because of their diet. And the longest living. And in Okinawa, they have lived longer than anywhere else in Japan. Well, anywhere else in the world, actually. They're, Okinawa has always been one of the three places in the world with the longest living people. They have a greater percentage of their population living to be 100 than anywhere else. Centarian. But that's all a thing of the past. Why is that? They're changing their diet. Mm-hmm. Or they have changed their diet. Mm-hmm. They used to live of stuff they grew themselves, like fresh vegetables, fish, rice, good normal Japanese food. Mm -hmm. With the American occupation of Okinawa after the Second World War until the, what, the late 60s, early 70s, fast food came in. It was convenient. And now they're the most obese people in Japan. And is this doing them any good? Not at all. Well, actually, it's kind of good for the uh, government in some ways because uh, one of the big problems here is that we have too many pensioners. Well, this is one way of getting rid of them, isn't it? Yeah, knock them off and... Fast food, fast death. And it's sort of very interesting is that that there was a census done in 1995. People in Okinawa were, on average, the longest living people in all of the prefectures in Japan. In 2000, when they did another census with people ages and that, they dropped down to number 27. And basically it's because, well, the older people were naturally dying once they got to 100. The younger people are sort of dying as well because now they're getting middle-aged diseases from these fast foods. But it is interesting that says that uh, in Okinawa, when people reach 99 years old, they have special celebrations and take commemorative photographs. And now they're taking commemorative photographs, but actually some of the young people aren't in the pictures anymore because they're already dead. Yeah. They just have grandchildren with them and great-grandchildren. Their own children, by and large, have already passed on. Oh, speaking of fast food, get a McJob. A McJob? What's a McJob? In the uh, OED... The Oxford English Dictionary. ...has entered a new word called a McJob. Is this like Steve McJobs? Naturally, McDonald's are not happy that this term has been used because they think it's denigrating their name. The OED explains a McJob as unstimulating, low-paid job with few prospects especially one created by the expansion of the service sector. I can understand why McDonald's would be a little bit upset because they do train their staff really, really well. Now, while flipping burgers may not be a lifetime occupation... Well, I would hope not, flipping cows. No one should be out there cow flipping. I think you mean it's cow tipping. No, 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 they're taught to cow flip, not to... The whole cows. That'd be a bloody big spatula, wouldn't it? Splat. No, stop it. That's terrible. Yeah. Sorry, cows. Sorry, yes. But anyway, McDonald's would like the OED to change that. What do they want to change to? A McJob is, uh, you know, a job where people uh, flip cows on extremely large spatulas. That'll do. 
it's time for Dick of the Week. Our Dick of the Week is going to prison. And his name is, get this, Matthew Knowledge Thompson. He pleaded guilty last year to conspiracy to transport minors to engage in prostitution and conspiracy to engage in money laundering. Cleaning money. This guy was arrested because the authorities found in his house two big trophies. And the trophies said Pimp of the Year on them. Pimp of the Year. So he was pretty proud of this, you know, at 37 years old, to be Pimp of the Year two times in a row. In his defense, he said that the prostitutes who worked for him bonded as a family. Bonded. But Bondage. Uh, <laughs> bonded Bondage? as a family. Now, some of these prostitutes were as young as 14. And this is what I love. The judge said, you wouldn't send your sister or your daughter out to do that. That's no family. Aha. Uh-huh. Maybe. Good point. Maybe he did. <laughs> he was sentenced to eight years in prison. What a dick. That would make him a dickhead. But... So, congratulations to Mr. Knowledge Thompson. Not so smart after all, was he? Maybe there's no knowledge. No knowledge is what it should be. Yeah, yeah. Tompkins. Yeah. May he rest in peace. Well, he'll be resting for eight years anyway. The Japanese are famous for their hobbies. And any walk around Shiraishi Island and you'll see these beautiful Japanese gardens and beautiful groups of bonsai trees. And uh, the people spend their free time taking care of these bonsai trees and their gardens and stuff. The Japanese really believe that you should pursue your hobby with all your heart and that you should put everything into it. You can't just casually do a hobby in Japan. You have to do it full force. So it's not really surprising that there's a new kind of hobby that the Japanese have uh, taken hold of and are doing diligently now, and it's all about taking exams. Do exams as a hobby? Right. It's all about knowledge. The prefectures are setting up these exams that people can take about the local folklore and history of the place. People can go and take the exams, and if they pass them, then they can be guides in that area. So, for example, there's the Tokyo City Guide Test, the Hokkaido Sightseeing Master Test. Ooh, they should make a a cow test, a Hokkaido cow test. Now, that would be very interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, the most popular and the most difficult one is the uh, Kyoto Cultural Exam. As one could imagine, that would be a tough one, eh? That would be a lifetime of learning in that. They had over 10,000 people take that test every time they give it. Um, They also have the Akashi Octopus Test and the Mount Takasaki Monkey Doctor Test. You know, why not? These are all called Chiki Kente, which means exams on uh, different locales. The Kyoto Test has uh, three different levels. There are essay questions in the top-level test, and the lower levels are multiple choice. And this has given birth to a new type of otaku, which we've talked about before on the show, about people very seriously into these hobbies that they're just obsessed with them. And so these are the new test-taking otaku. We should um, say there's a test on Sirius Island. Oh, yeah. Because you would pass that so easy. (laughs) Well, I'm the only guide here, so. Some of these old guys here, they know a whole lot. And they're not going to be around forever. So I should go and talk to them and get all the, the details and stuff and their well, stories. Well, more of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then what would we call our test? 
The Shiraishi. Oh, the Moo Bar Test. Moo. Moo. The Moo Bar Test. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Moo Bar is on Shiraishi, and people could take the test while they're drinking. That would make you get a top score, wouldn't it? Well, I think we're going to have to wrap it up here, Paul. I do want to say thank you very much for standing in for Doug. It's been great. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, I'm very happy that Doug is coming back next week. (laughs) No, it's been a pleasure. And if you do have time, come out to Shiraishi Island and meet Paul. He'll take you sailing. I would love to see as many people here as possible who would like to come and join us on Shiraishi and have a few margaritas. Have a few margaritas. And take a pilgrimage. Go kayaking. Windsurfing. Drinking. Mooing. Mooing. There's lots of mooing to do here. And this is one of the few places in the world where you can, you know, do collective mooing, I think. Anybody who walks in this island and moos, they know straight away what you're looking for. Yeah. Everybody just points you straight to the mover. Yeah. Where mooing is not only encouraged, it is compulsory. And um, we do have a big schedule of events coming up for this summer, starting in Golden Week, which is April 29th through May 5th this year. We will have the Moo Bar open every day. After that, we'll close for a bit, and we'll be open again every day in July and August. Also, probably quite a few weekends in June and September. That's right. Definitely Sundays. And we'll also have events during that time. We have a live concert every year. We have some dog parties coming up. Um, the firework. And there are lots of festivals on the island as well, aren't there? So if you do come to Japan, make sure you put Shiraishi Island on your itinerary. You will on not be itiner- disappointed. If you're, if you're journeying from uh, Osaka to Hiroshima. We're in the middle. And we would love to see you. All right. Well, until next week, see you later. Goodbye, Amy. Bye, Paul.